0: This is the Overdue Homework Podcast.
1: Welcome to the show. That's Ack. I'm Ack. And I'm Ack. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Um, As always, we are here to talk about 80s and 90s media. Um, you can always reach us at OverdueHomeworkPodcast at com. Always. How are you doing
2: today, Trav? Horrible, Drew. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lay it on me. I thought I'd switch it up a little Lay bit. Lay it on me. I'm just, I can't get over the Vikings loss yesterday. Yeah. But this is about how much I want to keep thinking about it. Moving on. How are you doing, Drew? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know i'm doing really good we just had a big appointment for the kiddo that we're going to be having here in march and uh this podcast is going to come out bef- before before i think i think it's coming out before um uh, uh behind the curtain here listener we record a lot of these shows like well in advance before they get say released. So, what <clears throat> excuse me um so, yeah, everything went great. It's really awesome, and we're super excited. We can't wait to have that kiddo. That's his awesome. uh, His head is measuring in the 99th percentile. He got a big old dome on him. Yikes. <laughs> 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 I just said, sorry, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, boy, um, you know, besides that, though, uh, you and I both had an opportunity to go see those Triple Falls
2: guys again. Oh, that was awesome. It
1: was really awesome. They had a local comedy show here with local people. Um, they were kind enough kind enough to invite us along, and um, it was a blast. It, it was, was super cool, yeah. It was very funny. It was everything from um, like a musical comedian to a magician at yeah. this show. There was five acts, six acts. Six
2: acts, yeah. It
1: was very funny.
2: It was very funny. Very,
1: very funny. Uh, do you remember the name of the magician? Uh, Michael Callahan, yes, I want to say. The, he did great. That he was, was good. Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. So. Um, thanks thanks a lot, uh, Willis, Jacob, and Grum. Zach, Grum. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool for you guys to invite us along. And yeah, um, I hope we can uh, participate in something like that again sometime because yeah, it was be awesome. it was really fun. Um before we get things really rolling here, um I think we're gonna do a little correction segment. It's we'll been correction. a while. Uh this one comes from Mrs. Man Bear Pig. So <laughs> Man Bear Pig has emailed uh, us in the past and um his wife uh had to get in, get in on the action also. Um, she knew that we were wrong when we talked about the spider scream scene in Home Alone. She knew it. She's a giant Disney fan, giant, you know, 90s, 80s movies fan. So she knew it. Um, so much so that, uh, she sent us a link to to prove it. So, um, we said the scream was mimed and then dubbed in in post-production, which is false. False. Completely false. According to... Daniel Stern. <laughs> <laughs> How would he know? How would he know? But uh, that link she sent us is uh, from a Complex.com article, and that uh, link will be in the show notes if you'd like to read it for yourself. Um, you know, Daniel Stern, he, break, he broke down the classic tarantula scene on Home Alone, uh, and that article on Complex.com uh, was uh, written by Trace William Cohen. Tracy William Cohen. One of the two. T. William Cohen. <laughs> T. William Cohen. And that article is actually from December 24th, 2015. So it's uh, been around for a little while. Um, Stern did say on Facebook that people often ask him if the spider was real or if the scream was real. And Stern says both were real. <laughs> so obviously you could tell in the movie that the spider was real. Yeah. It would have been uh, quite the animatronic feat to do that in 1991. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but. Uh, So Columbus had originally, the director of Home Alone 1, he uh, originally planned to use a fake spider, but the idea was shelved for the real thing, because it didn't look good. (laughs) Um, And so they brought out an animal wrangler, and he introduced himself and the spider named Barry to Daniel Stern. Um, Stern, before the shot was made, before the shot was taken, um, he had Barry crawl around on his hand and on his head. So, I mean... So it was more than just that one time. Way to go. I don't know if I'd feel too comfortable having that tarantula crawling around on my face. Um, Stern did ask the wrangler if Barry was trained. And the animal wrangler said, it's kind of hard to train a tarantula. (laughs) (laughs) Just what you want to hear. Just what you want to hear. Uh, Stern did say that he was worried about the tarantula being poisonous. Good news for him. Tarantulas aren't poisonous. They're venomous. So he didn't have to worry about it. The worst that could have happened, I think, with a bite would have been some swelling, some discomfort. But he wouldn't die from a bite, I guess, unless he had some sort of allergic reaction to it. Right. Hopefully he's not allergic to tarantulas. And hopefully that's something that he'll never have to find out, I guess. Any of us will have to find out. Um, So anyways, the Wrangler... Just basically tells Daniel Stern to not make any sudden movements, sudden movements. And uh, Stern said to the Wrangler, but I'm going to be screaming in Barry's face. Do you think he'll feel threatened by that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Wrangler did have an answer for him and he said, uh, Barry doesn't have ears. He can't hear. Relax. <laughs> oh, man. So there you go. The scream was real, legit, was not mimed. So all that information out on the internet, completely false. Yep. Completely false. So Stupid internet. Uh, big time thanks to Mrs. Man Bear Pig and man Bear, Bear, man Bear Pig also.
2: Yeah. And if you ever want to correct anything that we say on this podcast, Overdue homework podcast at gmail.com.
1: I think I'm just going to start saying, or we both should just start saying, the most like egregiously false things possible just yeah. to bait people into <laughs> Ex- email. <laughs> exactly.
2: I did see something on that recently that people will do that on Reddit because... Nobody wants to put correct information out there, but they love to correct people, so they'll post on Reddit something just completely ridiculous, knowing some troll will be like, are you dumb? (laughs) (laughs)
1: And there are plenty of trolls on Reddit. Yes, there are. (laughs) Plenty of trolls on Reddit. Uh, So in uh, in preparation for this podcast, for the Mars Attack episode that we're going to be doing, that we are doing, I guess... Um, i use some articles from uh, slashfilm.com specifically one written by Whitney Siebold um, an article from artsbeatla.com and that one was by uh, pauline adamek and uh, this was a like a, a an old article that has been put online it was a tim Burton interview pre-release in ni- in uh, 1995 so mm. it's kind of cool to get some uh, i don't know some uh, Insight on what he had to say about it right before the movie was released. So go give that one a read if you have any interest. And then Collider.com by Tom Ryman. So let's do it. Let's do it. Mars Attacks. Don't forget that italicized exclamation point. (laughs) Yes, yes. Don't forget that. (laughs) Um, So originally Tim Burton was uh, interested in making a version of Jurassic Park called Dinosaurs Attack. So that would have been interesting. That would have been more interesting I think. <laughs> been super topical at the time. I guess Independence Day had recently come out too. So true. Either way you look at it but um what do you think was a bigger movie? Jurassic Park or Independence Day?
2: Ooh, Jurassic Park. I mean, I I feel like it was Jurassic Park. They were both humongous. I did love Independence Day when I was a kid, too. Yeah. Welcome to Earth. (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's a
1: pretty hard question. That is a pretty... I, I wonder which one was technically the more successful one. They were both gigantic.
2: Email us.
1: Email us. (laughs) Uh, So Dinosaurs Attack would have been based on a series of Topps trading cards that uh, depicted gory scenes of dinosaurs attacking humans. And that is, coincidentally, how Tim Burton discovered the Mars Attacks trading cards by Topps that were released in 1962. Those cards were famously gruesome and sexual for the time. Uh, The cards were redesigned after the initial release to be more tame. Um, ultimately though, they were discontinued and pulled from the shelves for being too risque. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Too risque. Too risque. Uh, so that is a real collector. So if you find any of those cards anywhere, anytime, you you should buy them. Yeah. (laughs) You you should buy them. Just buy them. (laughs) Just, just buy them. It doesn't matter what the cost is. Buy them. Uh, The original release date for Mars Attacks was December 13th, 1996. That was in the U.S. Um, It was six months after another alien invasion movie, Independence Day, like we just mentioned. Uh, Directed by Tim Burton. Written by Jonathan Gems. 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 (laughs) Music by Danny Elfman. Moment of silence for Danny Elfman. He's not dead, but man, this movie didn't help his career any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm <laughs> um, starring. Uh, Tim Burton, just a quick story about that. Tim Burton said casting for this film was kind of difficult. Um, to quote him directly, I really wanted to try something different. The only time I had ventured into bringing together several high-profile stars was for the Batman movies. And here, I wanted to repeat this experience on an even bigger scale. Uh, there are more than 20 lead roles in Mars Attacks, so it was quite a challenge for me to put the cast together. So, I mean, there's the impetus behind why there's a million stars in this movie. Yeah. Um, just a quick note on Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson wanted to do a multi-role performance in this movie, like a tour de force uh, performance. Um, He wanted to play basically every main character.
2: I'm so glad that didn't happen.
1: That would have been,
2: it would have been the weirdest thing ever. It would have been the weirdest thing. Would the movie have been any worse? Uh, no, (laughs) maybe it would have,
1: maybe it would have actually crossed that barrier into so bad it's good. Maybe Maybe. actually Now
2: that we're talking about this. Maybe that could have been (laughs) the saving grace. Uh, but when,
1: uh, Burton asked him who he wanted to play, he said all of them. And then, uh, that's how it developed into his two character performance. So Burton must've put the, the kibosh on that pretty dang quick and said, I'll give you two. Yeah. I'll I'll give give you two. two. I'll give you two. Um, and obviously, there's a whole laundry list of stars that are in this movie, and you watched it, so you know who they are. Yeah, right? <laughs> perfect. <laughs> uh, but we certainly cannot forget about The Martians. Uh, Burton reportedly worked for eight months with a team of 70 stop-motion animators before the film was even greenlit. He eventually went with computer animation. So that seems like a lot of work to just go yeah. a completely different direction. Yeah. Well, this ain't working. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't working. Uh, those uh, those uh, Martians were produced by Industrial Light and Magic, and that was founded on May 26, 1975, by George Lucas. So, I mean, you know that name. Everybody knows that name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a division of the film production Lucasfilm, and in 2012, the Walt Disney Company acquired ilm as a part of its purchase of lucasfilm at the time some movies that uh, ilm is known for was twister t2 jurassic park so i mean those are some giant movies you still see that uh you still see that ilm thing at a lot at the end of a lot of movies Mm -hmm. it's just you know the go-to the the industry standard for that type of vfx What do you think? Are we ready to get into this masterpiece of a movie, Trav? Oh,
2: this is a masterpiece. I don't know if we're ready, but we're going to try.
1: Yes, we're going to try. That is for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So immediately the movie opens up with that very famous WB symbol. I appreciated the WB logo, I should say, not really symbol. I appreciated the the UFO right away in the beginning. I yeah. thought that was cool. Like, yes. I was like, oh, that's cool. Started off immediately. You know, nothing is sacred when it comes to Tim Burton with trying to give the logo maybe its own 30 seconds. So he's got to put his fingers in everything. Right, right, right. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the movie starts four miles outside of Lockjaw, Kentucky. It's Tuesday, May 9th at 6.57 p.m. Uh, May 9th is Kristen and I's wedding anniversary. Nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what Kristen and I watched. I was like, hey, that's our wedding anniversary. <laughs> um but it smells suspiciously like barbecue. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm talking about one of the weirdest intro scenes in a movie ever.
1: I <laughs> I have it written down here in my notes. I've never seen a movie open up like that before. Ever, yeah.
2: <laughs> Nor will we ever again. No, oh.
1: those flaming cows, though they do go running right by. I was debating on whether or not to talk about the interaction between the Vietnamese farmer and the American white farmer. I guess the Vietnamese man is also an American. He's a, probably a U.S. citizen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seemed racially charged, uh, right? Yeah. But oh, yeah, celebrating Vietnamese New Year or something yeah, over there.
2: Exactly. I can yeah. smell
1: it from the highway. Like, okay, dude, let's scale back the racism a little yeah, bit, please. Just, just a little bit, <laughs> please.
2: We, the movie just started. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: but with those cows, when they go by, we see the first UFO fly up from behind the farmhouse. Um, so I think that kind of speaks to the whole cow mutilation thing that was always pointed towards as like evidence of aliens visiting, uh, earth. That was a big thing in the 80s and 90s, always with the cow mutilations, all these cows, which obviously it was just probably some sort of puma or jaguar or jaguar, (laughs) something like that. that killed these cows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's what it was playing on. You don't really hear much about like the bovine mutilations anymore when it comes to UFO uh, sightings and such. Um, we do quickly get to see that Mars is readying themselves for an invasion, and we get all those big lists of celebs in that opening credits, and it's a who's who of nineteen ninety six. And already at this point the computer animation, if you ask me, is hanging on by a thread.
2: Oh, hanging on by a thread. Hanging on by a thread. It the, just The visuals are on by a thread. But the music is somewhat saving this yes. intro. Yes, that's somewhat
1: saving. that opening intro from uh, Elfman is great. It's, right, I love the uh, um, the like how he uses the choir vocals as basically instruments in there. I mean, yeah. that's basically what a singing voice is is an instrument. But the the oh 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 oh, yeah. I, I love that stuff yeah. in that opening sequence. It's really really cool. It is. So right away we get the president uh, being presented with evidence of alien life, and our PR man Jerry Martin Short is all for releasing all the info to the public. Uh, the military wants to suppress the info. Screw the press. Screw the press. <laughs> and uh, General Carter is uh, no, that's not that's General Decker. General Decker is not a great dude. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not a great dude. Uh, that but you get some a little bit of like uh, I don't know like opposite opinion from uh general casey yeah uh do we know they're hostile do we know their warships (laughs) and uh, it's evident that president dale is much more in the camp of uh uh, general casey as opposed to general decker at that point uh because that is uh uh enough almost enough i should say for uh president dale to go with what jerry wants to do but Dr. Kessler uh, says that they should be intelligent. They should be peaceful. And that is then enough. And uh, he says, Jerry, I want to go all media with this. Yep. So that's the decision that they made. They're going to release it to the public. Do you think that our government, if they were pre- presented with such like glaring evidence that we are being visited by an alien race, do you think that they would immediately be like, here we go, this is what's happening?
2: Immediately, no. But I don't know that it would have been like postpone nearly as long as he has it i want people to know scrolls or continue and garbage will be picked up (laughs) i can see them dabbling with it a little bit but i think we would know rather quickly i would think so i would hope so i would hope so yeah i guess i'm hoping against hope
1: there has been a whole hell of a lot of ufo talk lately yeah in the news which is interesting that even the governments are saying now, there's these objects in the skies, and we don't necessarily know where they're coming from. Yeah, yep, yeah. So I think that's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting stuff in 2023. 2023. 23. Um, we do get to meet the first lady, Marcia, and daughter Taffy. 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 What is it short for Tiffany? Is it short <laughs> for? Taffany? Taffany? I don't that's just an Trying odd name. Different. That's just an odd name Taffy. Taffadil? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Taffadil. I like that. It's Taffadil. It's short for Taffadil. Taffadil. Uh the two of them, Marcia and Taffy have a very adversarial relationship. Um The First Lady seems to be a bit of a Karen, to use a term of the common parlance today. Definitely. (laughs) My husband is the leader of the free world. No need to worry about money. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, she immediately starts dissing Taffy, too. Taffy, um, if you're going to be a pest, I'm going to have to ignore you. What a great thing to say to your daughter. What a great thing. (laughs) Um, Now we get to jump over to Vegas after that. uh, And it's May 10th at 1.43 p.m. Um, we get to meet Byron Williams, a former boxer. Um we get to meet his ex-wife Louise and her missing kids basically at this point, <laughs> yep. which those kids are pretty young, especially that one to be missing for 2 days.
2: Yeah. 2 def- days. Definitely.
1: 2 days in Vegas? <laughs> well, they were in DC. Or no, no, yeah. yeah they were in DC, but two still. Yeah. Missing 2 days in DC. In DC, is that really any better? At <laughs> no, definitely not. You might even say it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And then we also get to meet Jack's second character, Art, the hotel owner. He's not a crook. He's just ambitious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The galaxy is going to be the best hotel in Vegas. And his wife, Barb, is not a fan but uh, he basically bribes her with some money. Go play her anniversary. Stay off of black. You know? <laughs> and so he, he basically just bribes her. He's like, She's like, okay, 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 sure. I'll go spend your money. God. And she's sober at this time, which, I mean, it's kind of an interesting angle. I don't know why she had to be a, a, a character that is somebody... I, I just don't really understand that angle for that character, why she has to be somebody in AA. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess to make... To try to give the character some depth, because all of these characters so far are lacking any type of depth. Any depth. And we still have a lot more people to meet.
2: Yes, yes. How are you
1: going to develop any depth for any of these characters when we have so many more to meet yet?
2: Yeah. I don't know. And they tried, but it didn't work. It it did not work.
1: Uh, New York City now, Wednesday, May 10th at 526 p.m. The Twin Towers again. It's just so pervasive in this media. Yeah. Everything. I'm... We've talked about this multiple times, and I just can't believe how often they come up in movies. Yeah. It's constant. It's constant. It's constant. Yeah. Pervasive. Um, we get to meet uh, Michael J. Fox and Sarah Jessica Parker, Jason and Natalie, respectively. Um, Natalie calls Jason from her TV set. Um, he asks her if she's wearing a bra. Classic. <laughs> yeah. You wearing a bra? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh interesting to see uh, michael j fox playing a role like this because he's always played such wholesome roles and so yeah. i'm sure it was maybe some allure to it to to play somebody who's a douchebag <laughs> right right
2: <laughs> he filled the role uh natalie
1: tells him though that the president that president dale is cutting into her, her show today um why would he cut in today why would he cut into today in fashion that, that's what he says why yeah. would he cut into today in fashion yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then she tells him he's cutting in everywhere for a special announcement. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get to see that announcement, though. He says they've made an extra extraordinary discovery. It's a dawn of a new era, a fleet of flying saucers, um, and we get a quick peek at Perkinsville, Nebraska, and the donut shop with Richie, and he's just watching it, Like the rest of the world is probably watching this. At least the rest of America is watching this on TV. I appreciated all the tube TVs and especially the bunny ears on most of those TVs. It was a real throwback feeling for me seeing all those TVs. Especially with the dials and the clicks and all that stuff. I love that stuff. Um, Vegas is watching too, uh, not Danny DeVito though, which his character in this movie's name is Rude Gambler. Rude Gambler. That's his name, Mr. Rude Gambler. Mr.
2: Rude Gambler.
1: Hi, my name's Rude, Rude Gambler. <laughs> <laughs> um, we see Barb by the pool, I'm assuming that this is at the hotel that he that Art is building, right? That's, yeah. That's probably, there. that's what I'm assuming, they never like really show, but I'm assuming that's where they're staying. Um, She's super duper into the uh, Martians and Art is indifferent. He's on the phone with an investor or something like that. And he's like, well, I've been thinking about aliens before aliens were thinking about aliens, basically. (laughs) You know, so Art doesn't care. He's all about the dollar. Um, Back in New York City on May 11th And the news has finally hit the streets We get more vital newspaper information uh, Shown to us Which is a favorite device of Tim Burton It's like in all of his movies it seems like so far
2: Smack, smack (laughs) Stacks of newspapers Martians (laughs) 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 I like Uh, that
1: Yep Uh, then we get to see Natalie and uh, Jason again. So it seems like we're really jumping around in this movie, right? From location oh, yeah. to location, because we are literally jumping around in this movie like nonstop. Nonstop. They're just—he's just jamming these characters down your throat. With, do you have any hope in one watch through to get all of these names?
2: Zero. Zero chance. <laughs> Zero right? chance
1: to really even understand how a lot of these characters relate to each other. It seems yeah. like. I, I have their names down and all that stuff now because I watched the movie like four times. Right, right. So, but it just seems like such a weird thing to do. Like, it just seems weird that you're just jamming all these characters down our throat right away. This is like 10, 15 minutes into the movie, and we've met <laughs> yeah. like 12 people. It's bad. It's not great. Uh, Natalie gets a call to interview Donald Kessler um on jason's cell phone love that flip cell phone though i love that thing (laughs) gotta love that thing uh jason can't believe that uh that she's gonna get the interview i mean he's the hard news guy right right it turns out that i'm sure don kessler there was like i want to be on today in fashion because he is in love with natalie yeah exactly yeah so i i I think they would have done a like It probably got left on the cutting room floor a quick 10-second scene of Kessler saying, like, I want to go on this show because I think she's hot. Right. Something. Something like that. I mean, you figure it out after a while when they're flirting with each other. But it would have been cool to have that, like, to say, like, I'm in love with her or something like that. I don't know. Uh, we get to jump over to Nebraska, and uh, we hear quickly, uh, one minute and 57 seconds, and Jack Black, or uh, what's his name, B- Billy Glenn? Billy Glenn. Billy Glenn, he's tearing down that rifle and putting it back together, one minute and 57 seconds. Did it in under two minutes. Uh, your brother is going to volunteer. For Martian Detail. For Martian Detail. <laughs> and then their mother. Any of those Martians come here? Oh, no, this is the, the father says this. Any of those Martians come over here, I'm going to kick their butts. <laughs> Seems like a fun family. Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: <laughs> oh, Jack
2: Black. Jack Black. He is hilarious.
1: And even when, uh, when all the S hits the fan right away, like when he's running towards the to get his rifle or whatever, yeah, it's so Jack Black. It's so his Jack m- Black. So Jack Black and his movements yeah. and everything. It's like uh, he it's...
2: definitely doesn't get enough in this movie. No, he doesn't. He has... He's one of the few funny parts. Of yes, this movie.
1: yes. Jack Black actually does a really good job in this movie. Yeah. So does Pierce Brosnan. I appreciate his character. Yeah. Maybe it's because we get to know his character a little bit. A little bit, actually. You know. Right. So now we're in Washington, D.C., and uh, we find out that uh, Louise drives a bus. Uh, She finds those kids. Um, we gotta make an unscheduled stop.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty intense scene. It's a
1: pretty intense <laughs> scene. It is funny though how she fooled the kids into like, uh, you get over here to the youngest one while she's got a hold of the oldest one. Yeah, he's like, yeah. well, if you let go of him and she does, and she just grabs them both. Yeah, uh, yeah. she gets a good round of applause from everybody on the bus for uh, being a great mom. You know, get to the back, back of the bus. Yeah. Um, what about that shooter that they were playing in the arcade? I'd play that shooter. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? I really love stand-up shooters in arcades. Oh, hundred percent. Some of the best ones ever. Like some of the T two, like that's T- an amazing yeah.
2: one. T two, House of the Dead. Yeah. Um, Area fifty one. Oh,
1: that was the one I was trying to think of, and I couldn't find. I couldn't yep. think of it. Area fifty one. And then I've mentioned this one before. Aerosmith Revolution was one that I really liked to nice. play at Pocket Change. Uh, Time Crisis, a more modern oh, yeah. one, Time right? Crisis. The new Jurassic Park one. Have you played that one? It's a sit-down, but it's still right. stand-up. still yeah. awesome. And then the new Halo one that they have at the WoW Zone. That one is really fun. That one I've never played. It's really fun. It's really fun. Um, but we get to see uh, a Jerry right after that, after the bus comes veering around that corner. We see Jerry's uh, limo pull up to a couple of women of the night. Yeah, uh, Jerry is a perv. Jerry
2: is a perv.
1: It's an interesting character for Martin Short to play because he always plays such a wholesome, bubbly, happy I know. guy.
2: So again, is that part of the allure of these guys are green to this script? It's just like you get to be a total douchebag. I, th- I think so. It's got to be. It's got to be part of that allure. I felt that, especially with him, more even more than Michael J. Fox. I was like, this is just so out of his character.
1: It is. Anything
2: he's ever done. He's see. super
1: believable in his part, though, in this yeah, movie. He's I know. one he, of the shining moments right. in this movie, for sure. Um, they ask the ladies of the night, ask Jerry if he wants a date. And he says, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Uh, Now we're going to flash on over to fashion today. These things, it's just like from one place to another, to another, to another, to another. There's like no rest for the weary. No rest for the weary. Care, care, please. (laughs) Uh, On fashion uh, today in fashion. I always want to say fashion today. Seems like a more. Today in fashion. Today in fashion. Uh, Professor Kessler is uh, coming on strong to Natalie. We talked about that a little bit. Um we get a couple of lines from Kessler in this scene though to make the movie a little bit more plausible. Mm-hmm. Um they talk about how there's already been probes that have been sent to Mars, like how would we miss this? Oh the canals, they're actually giant gorges that could be hundreds of miles deep. Okay, that makes it a little bit more plausible. Right. The Martian civiliz- civilization developed underground. Okay. That makes it a little bit more plausible. Yep, yep. Um, and their technology must be absolutely mind-boggling. Obviously. Obviously. So that makes the movie a little bit more plausible. Yes. So I guess trying to sew up some obvious plot holes that could be in this movie. So right. That makes me feel a little bit better about the direction of this movie. Um, but we get that first Martian interruption. Ack ack ak, 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 ak. ak, 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 ak. <laughs> And the president says, yikes. Yikes. (laughs) Richie says, look at that brain. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie thinks it's gross. Um, And then he makes the international, the alien makes, the Martian makes the international sign of the donut. Like, is, like, what is that sign? I completely missed. Like, what he's trying to describe by doing. I have no idea. I don't either. Like, what is he trying to actually describe? Like, is he just like, it's a planet? Yeah, I think so. I never caught, like, what that, because they do it, they do it then, and then uh, uh, Carter does it to him back at the first meeting that they have, and that's it. Yep. I I don't know. You're all dead. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So I guess after that big, uh, that big interruption by the Martians, uh, the president is going to have a briefing. And uh, Kessler has it all figured out, and he has the charts and everything all made out. So that's interesting. That's a quick printing service. He must have a friend at at Kinko's or something like that. Um, He gets asked, they can read our thoughts? Yes, it seems like they can read our thoughts. They're an advanced culture, so they are peaceful and enlightened, is what Kessler says again. And they have more to fear from us than we do from them. So all of his assumptions are completely incorrect. Yes. Couldn't be more. (laughs) Couldn't be any more wrong. Um, We get that uh, translating computer, which basically translates everything into complete nonsense for them. Yeah. Um, What the hell does that mean? And no one knows. They all just... Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh. So does that translator actually work? I think so. It does. I think so. And the Martians are... Lying, Yeah, they're just messing with them. Okay, so I, I was going back and forth between whether the translator actually works or it works so poorly that it articulates the opposite of what the Martians are actually trying to say.
2: It could be, but it just seems like the whole movie is just a joke to them. Like I... they just want to destroy everyone think it's hilarious. I think they're messing with them.
1: I think you're right. And a little bit later on in the movie when they have the full-scale invasion, they actually have the translator with them. And it's saying like, uh, "Don't go or come, come here. We want to be your friend. I'll get back to it here. I have it. Yeah, notes yeah. When we get there, but so I think that they're actually like just lying.
2: Yeah, just and, setting them up. Just don't want them, up. them to panic so they can destroy all of them. Yeah, I,
1: I... I think you're right. I think that's what it is. Um, we get to see Barb at AA next, and uh, she's really, really into the aliens. Still, she's oh, yeah. super into them. Um, I think they've come to save us. Mm. <laughs> and then she mentions the millennium millennium talk already in 1996 it seems early right it does seem early i don't recall it being that early yeah i don't either like that's kind of interesting that already mentioning like the millennium is coming up in 1996 right and this movie was filmed in probably 1994 and 95 so i mean you're talking six seven years before the millennium seems a little bit early to be talking about the millennium but
2: i don't know it was a big deal it's a quote-unquote futuristic movie so (laughs) yeah yeah that's a good point that's a good point i guess
1: um we get the flashback over to nebraska and billy glenn is shipping out and making out with christina applegate billy glenn's girlfriend does she have a name in the movie i don't think so i don't think so i didn't look it up i was just trying to pay attention in the movie to try to get What her name was. I don't think they ever say it. She's only in the movie for all of 30 seconds anyways. That scene and the scene later on. Yeah.
2: So So wait, wait, wait. So she was Jack Black's girlfriend? Yes. I did not even notice that in three watch-throughs.
1: When when he's shipping out on the bus, he's making out with her. Okay. Yeah. I thought
2: the first time you even see her is the scene later, Kalina.
1: That's what I thought, too. Like, the first two times I watched the movie, and I'm like, it's so weird that she's in here for this one pseudo-sex scene, and then dies immediately. Right, right. So she was in it. This makes way more sense. Yeah, she's in it a little bit more, but... Not
2: much of a role for
1: Christina. No, Applegate. not much of a
2: role, and she was a big star at the time. Huge star. She's hilarious. Yes, I'm surprised they didn't use her for something more something funny. Something more.
1: Something more. But
2: I yeah. guess I mean when you have 20 lead roles. Yeah, that's like,
1: true. I guess I don't know. Um. So he, uh, Billy Glenn, walks over to Richie and says, "So long, R word." And that just definitely doesn't hold up anymore. No, not it does a fan not. of that at all. <laughs> don't touch any of my stuff, Richie yikes (laughs) Yikes! (laughs) and then richie takes grandma back to the home um richie and grandma in the truck um i know thomas richie was always the best one
2: so is thomas's dad must be because he keeps saying or she says thomas even to billy glenn yeah whatever so i'm guessing i would i would think so i don't
1: think they ever call their dad thomas but right but if, she is off her rocker, regardless her rocker. if yes. that's her dad or yes. her dad. That's she is th- off her rocker. That's the truth. Like, what is up with Grandma? She does have that moment of, like, I don't know, clarity when he starts talking about, like, this is a- aliens, Grandma, huh? This must have been how it felt when they invented the train. Yeah. she's like, I'm, I'm not
2: that old. Yeah, I'm not
1: that old. So a moment of clarity, like, is... Is she kind of playing it up? Is she smarter than we suspect? Right. If she is, it never comes to play in the movie that she's smarter. It never comes, like, the movie doesn't need it. No, no. So I think it's just an interesting uh, twist on the character, maybe, or maybe highlighting how people that do suffer from uh, things like dementia or Alzheimer's that they do still have their moments of clarity. Yeah, true. I don't know. That might be reading into it far too much. (laughs) Crazy grandma. Crazy grandma. Uh, We're back in Washington, D.C., and it's Friday, May 12th, and it's uh, another press briefing. Uh, Jason asks about interviewing the Martians, and uh, Jerry says, yeah, I mean, we got to figure some stuff out, but yeah, Yeah, sure, we can do that. Um, And then a different reporter asks if the Martians have two sexes, Um, and Jerry and the president look befuddled because the reporter is sexually ambiguous, and that's a trans joke, right? I think so. And it just, that is just not... Another doesn't hold up. Does not hold up. That is just very odd. And I was like, why even why even shoehorn that in the movie to laugh at a
2: group of people? I don't get it.
1: That's... I don't get it either. So that could definitely have been
2: cut out of the film. Yeah, we got that joke. We got the R the R word. We got racism right in the first seconds. Oh, Burton!
1: The nineties were wild. I guess. I guess. We do get to see now uh, the the home with Grandma and her dead cat. That's my Muffy. That's my Muffy. <laughs> okay, crazy granny. <laughs> uh, grandma loves herself some Slim Whitman, though, that's for sure. Yeah, That's some heavy foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we get the clip right on over to Art and Byron on the strip. Byron is jogging down the strip, which the Las Vegas strip... Looks so much different today than it did in 1995. Yeah, it's not even close to the same thing. It's no. just a very interesting. It looks like a gross, seedy Las Vegas, like kind of what <laughs> yeah. your idea of Vegas may have been, right? Thirty years ago. And I mean, so I guess it's representant representative of what Vegas actually was like. That is very true. I mean, I was there in 2009, maybe 2010, and. It's just like skyscrapers now. It's like a lot of other big cities. So yeah. I don't know. It seemed uh, like a seedy old Las Vegas, which you know made me think of movies like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and there stuff like go. that. So, um, Art invites Byron into the car. Uh, he basically says, "I owe you one. I made a ton of money off you last and uh, your last fight, the Quaker in Jamaica." And he asks him for $2,000, will you beat up a dude for me? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We never get to see who that dude is or why he wants to have him beat up. Nope. But uh, Byron isn't into it either way, any way you look at it. I've changed, man. I found Allah. I don't eat pork, and I'm a better man. And all art gets out of that is... You don't eat pork. You gave up pork. Yeah, you gave up pork. (laughs) That's all art got out of it. And that's the end of that scene that we never hear about or talk about ever again. Nope. (laughs) We're back in D.C. now. It's May 13th, and the Martians have sent coordinates to the White House. Uh, They're going to be landing in Pahrump, Nevada. So in Pahrump, Nevada... There's a radio show that's still on today. It's overnights from 12 to 5 o'clock in the morning. It's called Coast to Coast AM. And I used to listen to it a ton when I was in high school, like when I would go to bed and all the way into my 20s. And then I got the job that I currently do. And that was kind of thrown out the window because I couldn't stay up all night anymore. Yeah. Um, It was hosted by a guy named Art Bell, who's dead now. And it's all about paranormal, all about UFOs, ghosts, everything, the weirdest of weird. So I found it interesting that he chose to have this meeting in Perump. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I think that's an obvious nod to Art Bell Obviously, and the weirdness yeah. that's out there. If anybody ever wants to take the time to listen to some old Coast to Coast AM, it is the wackiest, wildest, weirdest stuff you could ever listen to. <laughs> it was almost like Art Bell... I don't know if Arbel necessarily, like, believed the uh, conspiracy theories, believed in ghosts, believed in aliens, believed in Bigfoot. I mean, you name it. But he would, like, let these people call in. It was mostly a call-in show, and he would have guests for, like, an hour to two hours a night. Mm -hmm. And he would just, like—these people would tell these weirdest stories, like— I saw myself driving a car the other direction the other day at a stoplight, and I waved to myself. It was a time blip, time blip, and whatever space-time continuum. Yeah. And he would just draw this stuff out of people and try to get them to keep talking about it oh more and gosh. more and more. So I think Art partially believed in it, but also really loved the cringe radio aspect oh, yeah. of it. So go find yourself some classic Art Bell and give it a shot because it's uh it's pretty interesting. Coast stuff.
2: to coast,
1: yeah, coast to coast AM with Art Bell. Um, So the media and the scientific community and the military will all be there in Pahrump. Uh, General Casey is in charge, is put there in... Charge by President Dale and uh, General Decker is pretty pissed about it. He's pretty pissed. <laughs> Idiot. Idiots. <laughs> and then we get that one moment. They keep inserting Taffy, Natalie Portman's character, in there. Like she just steps out of a door and is like, you know, people live here. Yeah. It's like, okay, yep, we know you still live here. It's, yeah. just, it's weird. I wonder if she had some sort of like, I don't know. She, it seems like she's in the movie a lot. It does. And doesn't have a lot of lines, but it seems like she's in the movie a lot. Right. So now we we are actually in Perump, and uh, the world is watching, and it's time for first contact. Uh, the silver ramp is coming out like a giant tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I really don't think it goes to plan, though, and the Martians attack. Yes, (laughs) they do. Pretty obvious. Yes. Um, Starting with uh, General Casey's vaporization. On the behalf of the people of Earth, welcome. And then he does the sign of the donut, international sign of the donut.
2: (laughs) 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 And it doesn't
1: work. It does not work. (laughs) Um, What was it about the dove? Is that just an excuse to set things in motion in the scene? Is that one of those uh, things that we talked about before? At one point, that I wish I could remember the name. Like it's a a device in the scene to make something else happen.
2: Yeah, I really don't know. I don't. I don't think it was an excuse. I think it literally did throw them off, like they'd never seen a bird before. But their yeah. plan was still to destroy them. So I don't know. It just set it up so that they could all be. More oblivious and dumb for longer and pretend. Well, it was just the bird. That's the only reason they destroyed everybody there. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just so you can get that great line from Natalie Portman later. It says, I guess it wasn't the bird. I guess it wasn't the bird. (laughs) Uh, I think the word I was looking for is I think that bird qualifies as a MacGuffin.
1: A MacGuffin. A MacGuffin. that's not the type of bird. It's a cinematic device. (laughs) It's a MacGuffin. It's a MacGuffin. Um, Yeah. And I really think that their plan, the Martians' plan, was just to attack the whole time. Uh, I mean, it becomes more evident later on in the movie that that's what they were doing. But I think that's what it was. Um, These scenes of death and destruction, death and destruction are the best parts of the movie.
2: Yeah. It's the only good part.
1: They give me some laughs right the actual aliens because they're done by ilm and like the actual like disintegration and vaporization of the people holds up it, it looks does. good it does it holds up it looks good it's scary the way like you see their facial reactions as the rest of their body is like disintegrating and yeah especially when jack black dies oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's It's a joy to watch those celebrities get vaporized. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, And Jack Black is dead, like I said. Uh, Die, you alien S-head. And the gun (laughs) falls apart. The gun falls apart. Right before he charges uh, the aliens, I see one of the other, just an extra. The way he holds his gun, he grabs it by the the magazine and like the butt of the gun and not even on like the trigger it's It's, it's the weirdest thing ever I was like okay well that guy's never held a gun before (laughs) he does say that Jack Black does say I surrender and they zap him anyways yes Um, Jason Stone is dead which is uh, pretty funny Uh, I got a kick out of uh, Natalie holding his hand after he gets vaporized
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and the Martians take the dog Natalie and the dead bird along with Jason hand into the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then after that uh, botched welcoming ceremony, the White House is currently split in their situation room. Uh, Decker and uh Marsha want to nuke them, and Kessler and Jerry want to continue with diplomacy. What would have your what would have your choice been based on that information? Would you have gone full military offensive if you were the president? <sighs>
2: I feel like I would have. I, I don't know. I'm kind of losing hope at that point. I would be scared, obviously. Yes. Like, okay, so we got aliens that have guns that can vaporize hundreds of people with unlimited ammo, potentially, yep. and this is just one UFO, and there's hundreds out there. Yeah, thousands. Thousands. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. In that position, are you? it's all or nothing, you know? Like. Your season's on the line. It's fourth and eight. I mean, you need the first down. Okay, yeah, we're not talking about the Vikings. That stings a bit for you, doesn't it? It, it does. <laughs> but what would what would you do? Would you be still trying to do diplomacy or
1: I feel like at least like lock the government down. Yeah. You're not going to be letting them into Congress. Right,
2: yeah. Lock it all down. Exactly. Go to your bunkers. Okay, we gave you a chance. Now we're going to have to keep you at arm's distance. No, yeah. No, May- come on in. Maybe no.
1: have another national address and recommend people to shelter in place. Yes, yes. <laughs> not the. I don't know. I feel like that would have been a pretty hard thing to get over, the fact that they vaporized all those military members and media members. Right. That, that would have been pretty hard to get over. I agree. Uh, President Dale does side with diplomacy, though. And then we get Kessler and Dale, and they say, okay, let's do it. Um, I know we're making the right decision. And uh, Dale broadcasts to the Martians. I hope this was a cultural misunderstanding. We mean no harm. (laughs) That's, uh, I mean, way to go, dude, for, like, being that diplomatic about this stuff. Yes, yes um we get to go on board on board uh one of the martian flying saucers now and we get to see all the crazy experiments uh of the things that they took uh, from the welcoming ceremony uh they get the message from president dale and the martians laugh at it because they know that they're going to be attacking us no matter what Yeah,
2: yeah whatever you say yeah
1: they've had no plan but to attack the whole time this is where it's really clear Really clear that yes, that's, yes. there's no other thing that they're going to plan on doing. Um, we get to see that Supreme Leader Martian. He seems very interested in Natalie and his newly found Playboy magazine. <laughs> you know, to f- like, obviously, like, he doesn't have, like, a sexual attraction to her, right? Right?
2: Maybe. Maybe.
1: I don't know. It was weird. Like, I don't see why... Because we find them, if like Kessler says, th- we find them disgusting and gross. They probably find us just as disgusting and gross. Right. The, it just seems weird, like the whole, like it's, it's the way he looks at her. It seems like, oh, I'm gonna try to have sex with that. You yeah. know, like it just it seems weird to me. Yes, yeah, very weird. Um, we get to see Art in Vegas again, and he's dictating his plans onto a tape recorder. He only really cares about the hotel, doesn't really care about anything else. Uh, the Martians are going to need a place to stay, and then we get that hat removed with the hair attached to it. It's just an odd moment. Very odd. Like, was that part of, I would love to know if that was part of the script. Like, he's supposed to do that and show that most everything about Art is fake and a persona and not real, or do you think that was Jack Nicholson... Just pulling a fast, or just pulling a fast one, and pulling his hat off to make things
2: weird and difficult. Maybe the first thing you said actually kind of makes thing. sense to just prove he's like foolish. Or yeah, yeah Sorry. Sorry, no, not no. explicit. We can we can bleep it again. <laughs> we'll bleep it again. No he's worries. Full we'll of, he's it. full of crap. He's you know? full of crap. Um,
1: We get to see quickly then after that Because these scenes They just keep coming It's just bam, bam, yeah. bam, bam, yeah. bam You get to spend like 30 seconds With each of these characters Or wherever <laughs> they're at um, We're at the autopsy now And it's very curious green goo That's it That's yep. all that that was to That's really it. show He talks about like the glands and the ocular cavity and stuff. Um, I do have to say that that dummy that was there was a really good dummy. It yeah. looked really cool. It looked very realistic. I mean, obviously you can tell it's a dummy, but right. it looked pretty good. I, right, I thought right. it was pretty good. I liked that a lot. Uh, we get that Natalie head swap scene now. After this, and it's odd and unsettling. Like her,
2: <laughs> it's her, very odd and unsettling.
1: <laughs> her scream when she sees her dog's head on her body like that is some real like twilight zone stuff right oh, there to so messed just, up Just that is just messed up and she's in that jar which do you think well it was 1996 i'm trying to think what the first year for futurama was it was probably 97 98 something like that mm-hmm. you think they pulled from that the head in the jar or whatever because that's what made me think of was futurama it might be celebrity head in the jar um, we get Billy Billy Glenn's funeral now, and uh, why did it have to be him? It should have been you, Richie. should have been, been you, Richie. should have been
2: you, Richie. Sick of your stale donuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. When he does bring those donuts home, he's like, uh, they're, they're, these donuts are from uh, anybody. Yeah, he asks his mom, do you want some donuts? And she asks, when are they from? And, yeah, he says. Read uh, fresh
2: six days six ago. Six days
1: ago. that's oh, that six days ago, Richie?
2: Yeah, why don't you give me a few? Give me a couple. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, right after Billy Glenn's funeral, we get Lois and Byron on the phone again, and Byron is on the casino room floor and he's getting the stink eye from uh uh from his pit boss at that time. And um the kids are going to the White House on a school tour. Um, you know, so that's pretty convenient, right? <laughs> yeah. And then Byron also says that he is going to be on his way to D.C. also the next day. So very convenient, even though he never does make that flight. But right. He makes a flight in a sense, but not that flight. Yeah. Um, we get another message from the Martians and uh, they have issued a formal apology. They want to talk to Congress. Isn't that great? Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> See, diplomacy works. You bet. It's a great victory for our administration. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now we're at the White House the next day. Uh, more newspapers. The Martians to address Congress. The Martians to address Congress. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Um, signs reading, no applause, no birds outside the Capitol, which is a funny little... Uh, we've finally gotten to a point where the movie can reference itself and start making some jokes.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Because it was, what, situational comedy? Like... Not situational comedy, like you had to look at the whole situation of the movie to get a laugh at it yeah. and tell this. This is like, feels like the real first straightforward joke. Right, right. So, it's funny. I got a kick out of that. I enjoy that type of stuff. Um, inside the Capitol with Congress, it's on TV again and it's all over the world. Everybody's watching. Uh, the Martian ambassador is going to say a few words. Ack 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 ak, ak. ak, 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 ak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay. He gets that first fake out Because he's going to take out uh, You know he takes out a speech And then he does his few words And then yeah. uh, he reaches back into his coat And Death Raid Congress Death Raid Congress <laughs> When he kills both sides of the aisle And they're like Oh That's kind of scary you <laughs> Yeah know. Definitely. That was kind of scary It's Once again Those graphics Those That VFX stuff Really holds up And it looks good Right up until the point when you actually see, like, the plastic skeleton that's been painted red. Yeah. yeah. It, that does not look good. It no, looks like, not, a, no. like a plastic skeleton that's been painted red. But they should have just been vaporized to dust. Right, right. Piles of red and green dust, as opposed to these skeletons laying everywhere. I suppose, though, it gives you more of the feel of what these 1950s, 1960s sci-fi things were supposed to be parroting. you know. So yeah. I guess, yeah. Um, Kessler is captured. Yeah. Um, I guess it wasn't the dove like you said by Taffy and mm-hmm. then uh, Grandma with great, uh, great Gusto and great zeal she says They blew up Congress uh-huh. <laughs> She enjoyed them blowing up Congress. Yes she did. <laughs> she really did We're back in the Situation Room with the President now, and uh, President Dale, President Dale, not uh, President Adeo, President Dale. President Dale apologizes to General Decker, and uh, Dale wants to take control of the situation. Um, Full use of the nuclear arsenal?
2: Definitely not. Definitely not.
1: Not at this point. And uh, I'm gonna. This is where we get the really weird. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Yeah.
2: It's just weird. It's weird.
1: Why does he hate him so much? I don't know. He hates him and so much. And I just
2: much. hate how he does that scene. It's just horrible. It is so non Jack Nicholson. Like you s- yeah. But like that had the that had the chance to be the best scene in the movie it for did. Jack, at it least did. in a not so great movie, yes, but still. <laughs> and it's just bad. It's just Kill, kill, kill. It's weird. Uh, shut up, shut up, shut. It's up. It's just weird. I just how do you go from jack
1: torrance to that right he should have cha- he should have channeled his inner jack torrance at yeah. that point and really gone for it yeah but i don't know maybe at maybe at that point in filming he knew that this movie was going to be a piece of crap yeah so just like hey i'm just gonna phone it in at this point exactly <laughs> he does say uh president dale does say we still have two out of the three executive branches that ain't bad right that ain't bad. <laughs> All of congress is gone but yeah. we still have two out of three you know Um, It's time for another uh, national address to reassure the American people, which should have been hide your kids, hide your wife, go find a basement (laughs) somewhere. But instead instead he wants to make sure everybody knows that the schools are going to be open, garbage is going to be picked up. uh, And he wants the American people to know that uh, they will still come out with a very real outcome. It's not a very reassuring end of that speech. No,
2: it is not. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. We'll see. (laughs) I promise you something will happen. I promise you something will happen. (laughs) Not a
1: good good final speech to reassure the country, I think. No. (laughs) Probably the rest of the world at that point, because if all of Congress is getting uh, destroyed, that's a pretty big deal. (laughs) It's a pretty big deal.
2: I can assure you something's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Oh man, we get to go back up to space now with the Martians and their flying saucer and uh, they saw Dale's address and uh, we get the big headless reveal for Kessler and Natalie, the dog lady at this point. Um, Don't pay too much attention to Kessler in that head thing because he's like looking around and stuff in it Mm -hmm. and that shouldn't be possible because his body's not attached to anything. Right, The head makes weird movements and it's just like, it it was not great, and if you pay too much attention to it, it really like takes you out of the movie. But yeah. That's okay. That's the way it goes. Well, if
2: you're still deep in this movie <laughs> at this point,
1: kudos <laughs> to you. We find out that love conquers all through all of this because they're still very much into each other. Oh, very much. <laughs> very much into each other. Uh, Kessler says that he's had a schoolboy's crush on Natalie for ages. Uh, yeah. Even more so now that she is the body of a dog, I guess. I, I guess.
2: Whatever works for you, man. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, to be fair, he has nobody, so I mean, what can he say?
1: Very, <laughs> very true, Trav. Um, quickly now, we're back at the White House, and hello, monstrous Martian girl. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Uh, and leave it to Pervy Jerry to just usher her into the building. Yep. Personalized tour. <laughs> Would you like that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly what she wanted um i did appreciate the nod to the original batman series when he pulls back that head of the jfk uh bust in there and pushes the button i mean that's a gotta be a direct reference to that batman series uh to enter the kennedy room uh that bed though in there right i shagged her baby i shagged her rotten that's what (laughs) it reminded me of definitely and then even the way he like rolls off the bed. I was yeah. like, that is like did who copied who?
2: Yeah, and when he jumps on it's just like rock solid. <laughs> too. There's <laughs> yeah. no give to that thing. No give to that thing. I definitely thought of
1: Austin Powers when I saw that bed. Definitely. Uh Jerry asks her if uh, we'll ask the Martian lady, that's a, a Martian, if they want a drink. Uh, and after a quick makeout sesh, um jerry says how about we get that gum out of there because you know when you ask somebody to spit out a piece of gum you immediately just stick your finger you just in stick
2: your finger in there and fish hook it out of there that's what you do <laughs> that's what i've done my whole life is that weird to you true
1: <laughs> um i won't talk about it anymore i'm sorry trev <laughs> uh,
2: yes i agree that was incredibly weird so. it was incredibly weird just their way to reveal the already obvious martian to him i guess i
1: guess <laughs> I, yeah i guess and jerry Jerry's dead is he dead he's he, dead he's dead he took a uh, statue to the back of the head so I'm assuming he's dead he's broke. we never see him again so yeah. I'm assuming he's dead and now that the uh, creepy Martian lady guy thing is on the loose and in the president's bedroom uh, of course he needed to take off his mask for some reason or another before he blew away the president and the Obviously. first lady um, but thank goodness for the doggy because he distracts the Martian just enough and that Martian decides to vaporize the dog. Poor doggy. Poor doggy. Sorry, doggy. That was un- unnecessary. What was the name of the dog? Champ? I don't it's, remember. They say it one time. They say it one time. I wish I could remember. You get a really great throw from the First Lady to give the President a chance to move into attack. Yeah. She hits him right in the face with yeah. that shoe? Shoe. Alarm clock? Shoe? Yeah. Who throws a shoe? <laughs> throws Honestly. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and why did the Secret Service take forever?
2: Nobody knows. That was a
1: really long time. A really long a time. A really long time. All sleeping. Oh, I guess. <laughs> I guess they're all sleeping. Um, we get that quick hostage situation with the president, and uh, Martian gets blown away. Why not kill the president as soon as you have him in your grasp? Exactly. I would. Ass- I would think that they would have assumed that it's probably a suicide mission. That the Martian would have assumed that they're probably not gonna make it back. Yeah. Why not just vaporize him immediately? He doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Silly Martian. The Martians aren't very happy with the result of the mission, though. An angry ack ack after that. Ack ack (laughs) ack (laughs) ack. So that was enough to spur them into their full-scale invasion. Um, Immediately we get that funny bit with the Boy Scouts. Very Looney Tunes-esque, right? Knocking over the Washington Monument and then getting it to go back the other way. And then back the other way. That was pretty funny. Very uh, Looney Tunes moment. And if you had any doubt in your mind at this point in the movie, the Martians are just dicks.
2: Just dicks. They're just dicks. That's what
1: they're, they're there to kill everybody, to kill everybody, because they want to kill everybody. That's it. That's it. Uh, The Martians are in the White House. And guess whose kids are there? Louise and Byron's oh. uh, The Secret Service is trying to get the president out And uh, uh, Louise and Byron's kids Smartly grab the death rays And uh, video games save lives kids Video games save lives Hell yeah. That was one of the
2: coolest parts of this movie Like yes <laughs> shed in an Awesome light for once Yes, And a movie parents will never pay attention to <laughs> it's, true.
1: <laughs> it's true It's true <laughs> Nobody should ever pay attention to this movie Uh Marsha ends up eating it the president's wife and gets crushed by the Nancy Reagan chandelier seems like a very unceremonious way for her to die yeah she's Glenn Close should have gotten vaporized like the rest of them right why the whatever she's dead she's dead (laughs) she's dead um Maybe that's why you don't get to know these characters at all, because they die too quickly. Yeah, they're all going to die. They're all going to die. So what's the point of developing these characters into anything? Because yeah. they're going to die. Exactly. It just unfortunately makes the movie feel as flat as a saltine cracker. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, we're back in Vegas now with Art, and the invasion is still going on. And he's still trying to sell his hotel shares or whatever, get investors. Yeah. He's still trying to do it. Give me five more minutes, <laughs> and much to the behest of the people that are there, gentlemen. There's no way we can lose. That is, unless there's a Martian Martian invasion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see you later, hotel. <laughs> the Martians just destroy that hotel and kill everybody in it. Yep. So art's gone, which I'm not, I'm fine with. Goodbye, art. See ya, art. So that hotel was the Landmark Hotel, actual hotel in Las Vegas, that was filmed. The implosion was filmed for the movie. So it was being planned on being destroyed, and Tim Burton took advantage of that and filmed it so he could use it in the movie.
2: Nice. So that's pretty cool.
1: Actual implosion of an actual hotel at the time for Mars Attacks in 1996. That's kind of cool. Why not take advantage of that? I appreciate that in this movie. Yeah, I appreciate definitely. that. That's uh, some good foresight and uh, made it look super-duper real, mm-hmm. even though it was kind of like... You could tell that it was imposed onto the screen, onto the scene. Like it wasn't that, like the background, everything was different. You could tell that, but right, right. I appreciate the actual implosion of a real building. Enter Tom Jones, the best character of the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: not unusual. <laughs>
1: um it, whenever i see tom jones especially in this movie it made me think of an episode of the simpsons where he appeared as himself and it's called marge gets a job um he gets kidnapped by waylon and is forced to perform in front of marge and homer at the end of the night at the end of the episode nice. and he's literally i don't remember if it's a ball and chain or if he's just chained to the floor but it's it's really funny he's like sweating and he looks really distressed and he's singing, it's not unusual it's <laughs> it's a pretty funny episode nice. Um, Byron and Louise get disconnected cause he's trying to get a hold of, I've been calling you for hours, blah, 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 blah. And she's all freaking out because the aliens are invasion invading. Uh, and he just basically says, I got to get to DC. Well, good for you, Byron. I hope you can save your family. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Barb has a plane though, because they all run into each other. This is where we get like the group of Vegas people that we're going to follow for a little bit. Um, she wants to go to Tahoe, and uh, basically Byron's like, "You think this plane's gonna make it to DC?" And she's like, "I want to go to Tahoe." And he's like, "No, we're going to DC." Sorry, <laughs> yep. Yeah,
2: yeah, sorry about that. <laughs>
1: sorry, we're going to DC. Uh, dancing Martians finally get uh, Tom Jones uh, to hightail it out of there. I'll give him. I'll give him a commendation. He gets all those dancing ladies to get out of there. He's like, "Get out of here, girls! Get out of here, girls!" I mean, he's not just thinking about himself. So yep. maybe that's why he's the best character in the movie. Yep. Tom runs into Barbara Bri- Byron and Danny DeVito, who knows uh, who's known in the film as the rude as rude gambler. Rude gambler. <laughs> they secure some weapons after Byron punches a Martian to death. Yep, <laughs> that's great. That Good was job. pretty sweet. Good job. Uh, and he says we got to get out of here. And uh, Tom Jones says we got to get out of here. And Tom Jones is asked by Byron, uh, "You know how to fly fly a plane?" Sure sure you got one you got one (laughs) barb does so thank goodness thank goodness for tom jones do you think tom jones actually has his uh pilot's license no. no, not really. I don't think so. <laughs> I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> just be weird. Uh, Vegas is completely under attack now, completely being destroyed. And with our Vegas group on the run, we get to see the translator being used by the Martians. And says, they say, don't run. We are your friends. Yeah. <laughs> zap. Zap, zap, zap. And the same thing's going on in Nebraska. Uh, Martian just blew up the donut shop. Oh, no, the donut shop. The donut shop. What's Richie going to do for a living? What's he going to do? Ah <laughs> uh, boy. Are you kidding me? I'll tell you one thing, they aren't going to get my TV. <laughs> and Richie asks, "Should I get grandma? Forget grandma, Richie. Forget grandma. Forget her." <laughs> and he tosses uh, his dad tosses him a gun here. Lock and load. <laughs> All right. So now we're in the situation room with the president, and we hear over the large loudspeaker, Mr. President, the president of France is online too. He says it's important. Uh, president Dale talks to Maurice, the president of France, and the president of France says that the Martian delegation is there to uh, make amends, to sign a treaty of some kind, and... Uh, all uh, President Dale has to say is, oh, Maurice, you need to get out of there. Get out of there. <laughs> and he doesn't. And they all get vaporized, including the, uh, the, what is the name of the tower in France? The Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Which was cool how it like they zap it and it kind of melts like that type of iron wood and it kind of just collapses in on itself. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, in Vegas, the military has dug in and it isn't doing much really to stop the Martians. Um, In D.C., uh, uh, General Carter is trying to get the president to deploy their nuclear capabilities, and he finally does. I mean, what else is he going to do at this point? That's kind of their last option. Yeah. Uh, um, But the Martians easily contain the explosion and proceed to mock the president by inhaling the gases. Yeah. Is that funny? I guess. Is it funny? I don't think so. I don't think so either. (laughs) It's not funny. No, it isn't. (laughs) It's not funny. (coughs) It was just weird. It was like, let's jam some stoner joke in here for the stoners that are probably at our movie because it's a weird movie. It was just kind of a weird, weird joke that wasn't very funny to me at all. Um, All around the world, it's the same the same story. Big Ben is gone. Mount Rushmore has been defaced. The Taj Mahal has been destroyed and the Easter Island uh, heads have been bowled down. The Martians give each other a high five after they get a strike because they know what bowling is. Yeah. They know what bowling is. Obviously. (laughs) Uh, We do get to see that the Martians are watching TV, which was a kind of a cool edit because you're not sure right away if... Uh, we're actually viewing something happening in New York or Chicago or in Las Vegas. And then it kind of pulls back and you see that it's a Godzilla movie. Yeah, yeah. And they flip the channel and they end up watching some Dukes of Hazard, which is uh, kind of interesting. Would TV be still broadcasting since the planet Earth is under attack from an alien invasion? Yes. Okay.
2: It's all, it's all about money. It's all so about money. So there's at least one money-hungry bastard at the top who's like, keep the channels rolling. We're staying on the air. We're staying on the air. It's Dukes of hazard. damn it.
1: No. I'm not getting phone calls from these people saying, where's my Dukes of hazard?'" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, quickly, we flash back over to the trailer park and Christina Applegate's getting busy at this point. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Is this next bit the funniest gag in the movie? To me, it is. I think it qualifies as the funniest gag in the movie. Yeah. The Martians watch them having sex. They fog up their helmets. And And the
2: little windshield wipers on the the inside. And the trailer's just full of black light and (laughs) lava lamps and stuff. And they're just, it's pretty 90s.
1: Oh, boy. Richie has had enough at this point, though. And he's going to go get... uh, grandma and we get to see that first martian mech which is it's cool right? Like, we it's see cool. we see them loading into it and stuff and then yeah. we finally get to see it on the ground and it's it's pretty cool I, I i thought it held up pretty well the way it looked and um obviously you can't take you can only say it looks as good as it does at the time you know right but right, right. compared to some other stuff in the movie i think it held up pretty well it helps that the scene was very dark but it helps um that mech grabs the two trailers is it Christina Applegates trailer and Richie's parents trailer and smashes them together I think so now everybody for sure is dead in the trailer park yeah, they're gone <laughs> they're gone they're dead um we get to see that Vegas crew again right after this because Richie well before that Richie's heading out in the truck and that Martian mech is now gonna start chasing him um we get to see the Vegas crew again and uh, just because you're dressed like King Tut doesn't mean you're the leader. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> uh, he does get blasted soon after that uh, because he's a lawyer. So he even, like, exploded Yeah, more than how everybody else kind of gets vaporized to bones. And he says that he is a lawyer and then he gets killed. Is that supposed to be, like, a feel-good moment for the audience? I guess. Uh, people hate lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> people hate lawyers. Uh, Barbara does take care of the Martian, though, and uh, ends up giving the gun right back to uh, Byron after that. The chase is on, and Richie is going to save Grandma. Uh, go Down goes the mech, tangled in power lines. So that didn't last very long. Nope. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more out of that uh, That uh, giant uh, Martian mech would have been cool. Um, at the funeral home with the Martians. Um, how sadistic are those asshole Martians oh. aiming up that
2: giant <laughs> gun at yeah, Grandma? Seriously, why? <laughs> I just, I just, they're like, oh, get this. This will be perfect. This is going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Richie comes jamming into the room though really quick, and uh, Grandma unplugs her, uh, unplugs her stereo, and we find out that Slim Whitman is the answer to destroy the Martians. Um, Richie, I think these guys are very sick. <laughs> yeah,
2: what a weird way to kill the Martians. It like, is. Uh, it's always something totally out there, but it is. That's way is, out this there. This is the top of the list. <laughs> And Richie does ask his grandma what's killing them, and she
1: says, I think I think it's my music. Um, we get to see back in D.C. now, and the Martians have uh, breached the Situation Room. Uh, that Martian snow globe that goes in there, I thought it was a bomb the first time I watched this yep. movie, um, but it's just another excuse for those Martians to mock the uh, Earthlings because right. they all just laugh at him because it's a snow globe. Yeah. <laughs> um but then you know uh carter comes out of nowhere he says he's gonna start shooting the martians and eventually he does after like being angry at them i don't know why he didn't just come up firing and start shooting them but he gets hit by the shrink ray the one and only time we see the shrink ray in the whole movie yeah uh gets stepped on and no more uh, uh general carter which i am fine with see you later the Martians open up, fire on the rest of the people in the room, killing them all. And uh, President Dale is saved by his secret Serviceman, which he gets shot by one of those lasers in the arm, but does not get vaporized. It yeah. must have just been a glancing blow. I guess. That's the only way I can uh, describe it. I do like how he, how President Dale hid behind his chair. Yeah. It was like kind of shimmying back and forth. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. It gave me a little bit of a laugh and... Um, Even though his performance isn't, like, super great in this movie as a whole, there are moments where Jack Nicholson is just great. Yeah, There are moments, and I like that one a lot.
2: Can't hide his natural talent for the entire movie. No,
1: not for the entire movie. Uh, We do finally get to see President Dale attempting to appeal to the Martian's compassionate side. He says things like, why are you doing this? Isn't the universe big enough for the both of us? What's wrong with you people? (laughs) We could work together. Why be enemies? Because we're different? Think how strong we could be. Earth and Mars together. There's nothing we couldn't accomplish. Think about it. Think about it. (laughs) Why destroy when we can create? We can have it all or we can smash it all. (laughs) Uh, We can't, why can't we work out our differences? Why can't we work things out? Little people, why can't we all just get along? So no doubt that is a reference to the Rodney King beatings, correct?
2: I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, from the LA riots in 1991. Forgive me if that year's wrong, but I think that's when it was. And he was, uh, if you're unaware of the L.A. riots, a man named Rodney King was brutally beaten up by the LAPD, which spawned the L.A. riots in 1991, may have been 1992. And he famously said in an interview on the news, why can't we all just get along? Right. So I mean, that's an obvious nod to Rodney King. I would have to assume R.I.P. Rodney King. He actually died probably five, six, seven years ago. We get that single tear from the Martian. They seem to be moved by the president's speech An outreached hand of peace from the Martian leader. Nope. Weird snake hand impales the president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with The Martian flag. Okay. You dead. <laughs> you dead. You dead. It seems so odd that they would keep on falling for these same tricks over and over and yeah. over. But if it's supposed to be a send up of terrible 1950s sci-fi, That's how I I guess how you can rectify it in your mind. That's okay. Richie and grandma bumping out that slim Whitman and some exploding Martian heads. That's what we get to see next. And then the Vegas group finally makes it to the airport. Uh, Richie and grandma, they get to the radio station. They get the slim Whitman out there. The Slim Whitman record was already spinning on the turntable when they got there.
2: Yeah. Maybe
1: give me 10 seconds of him going into a library of grabbing a Slim Whitman album and putting it on there that's fine you don't have to it's very fortuitous that that was ready to go for them thanks radio guy i guess right um we finally get to see byron versus the martians outside the airplane hangar he's gonna sacrifice himself so tom jones the drink lady i can't they say her name once is it like krista crystal something like that i I didn't write it down um and Barb, so they can get out of there. Um, Tom Jones gets the plane going, and Byron is punching some Martian face, but ultimately lo- loses. And Louise knows he's dead. Like, you see yeah. that quick scene. He's not actually dead. He's not dead. <laughs> She says, something's happened to Byron. I mean, okay, sure, you have a telekinetic connection with your ex-husband. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, but his sacrifice saves Tom Jones and Barb in the drink lady so it's worth it it's worth it it's, it's worth it. it slim is now defeating uh, martians all around the world and uh, we get to see back in space the saucer with uh, Kessler and Natalie. All the Martians are dead. Uh, Natalie and Kessler's heads are now rolling around. And, and we get a goodbye, my darling. And one final disembodied head kiss as they plunge into the ocean. Yeah. And so now they're dead. So now e- they're dead. Everybody's dead. Everybody's, everybody's dead. dead. Everybody's dead. Death for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, life is reemerging into a new world post-Martian invasion. Taffy's president now. Because if you're an international listener, that's how it works in America. The president dies, then the first lady becomes president, and then the first lady dies, then their kids become president. That's how it works in America. Yep. Um, she's given oh. out awards. <laughs> <laughs> she's given out awards. Um, Richie and Grandma saved the world. Um, the mariachi national anthem was great Great. i enjoyed that quite a bit it's a highlight of the movie for me highlight of the movie um richie has a speech prepared okay he wrote he wrote a
2: speech okay he wrote a speech (laughs) it's not a good speech i guess we need to rebuild and stuff i guess we need to rebuild and stuff (laughs) But I was, like, um, like thinking that maybe we, like, use teepees instead because they're better in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, that's, like, all I got. Uh, <laughs> I was just floored by that speech. It's, it's such a goofy, uh, weird
1: speech uh, for sure. Teepees.
2: <laughs> after, after all this, we're going to go to teepees. 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 Um,
1: we get to see right after that speech that, uh, Louis. well, before we get to that speech, Taffy does ask Richie if he has a boyfriend or if she, if he has a a, boyfriend, (laughs) it's like, no, I don't have a girlfriend either. (laughs) Do you want a date? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Boy, but we get to see Louise and the kids now and uh, everyone's cleaning up the front of that building's completely missing. And Byron returns triumphantly. That is the only feel good moment of the movie. Basically. That's it. And I'm surprised that they even tried to wedge that in there. I wonder if it tested so poorly That there wasn't any type of. Because you don't actually see them come together. Right. You just see him showing up. Yeah. So I feel like that may have been a scene added because when maybe they. People are like, this movie is bad, all right? And the fact that there's no feel good in it makes it even worse. So please salvage it a little bit. Make us feel good a little bit. Just a little bit. Sing it, Tom Jones. You (laughs) and you animals. You crazy cat. It's not unusual. Roll credits. Roll credits. Thank God.
2: That's it. That is it. That is it. Uh, did you like it, Trav? Oh, it was great, Drew. I loved this movie. No, I did not like this movie, Drew. It, it was definitely one of the movies where both you and I remembered, it, certainly at least not hating the movie when Correct. we grew up, but we both thought we liked the movie. After watching it, I... So shout out to episode three where I say Tim Burton out Tim Burton to Tim Burton. This is going to be the most un-Tim Burton movie I feel like I've ever watched of his. There's a few Tim Burton moments that I like. Like the Mars assembly line. Maybe the beginning intro. Kind of feel Tim Burton-esque. Other than that, yeah, it's just not a good movie. It's just not a good movie. It really... It really isn't. What do we learn in this movie? No matter who you are, you die. If Mars attacks, we're done for, basically.
1: We kind of learned that this may have been a turning point movie for Tim Burton in his career. I got to imagine. Because he went from doing wacky, creepy, weird stuff to like remakes of Disney films. Yeah. You know, no more chances taken on his part. Yep. no more being really out there and weird and taking chances because he took some chances bringing a 1950s sci-fi movie to 1996. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just... Uh, it's not great. It's not um, really great. There are definitely worse films out there that you could watch. Of course. Um, but I don't know, man. This is one that's not going to be in my rotation.
2: Oh, n- not at all.
1: I don't plan on watching this movie again
2: no i really don't i i said this to you off the podcast i would watch batman and robin 10 times before i watch this movie again and that's saying something that's saying something at least batman and robin is so bad it's funny so bad it's funny and you go into it knowing well it's supposed to be funny if you go into mars attacks knowing it's supposed to be funny is do you really laugh it's (laughs) that's the thing is it's supposed to be funny i, I know <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's supposed to be funny and it just it just really isn't
2: yeah it just isn't
1: maybe if i was a 30 something year old in 1996 and had more experience with those 1950s 1960s terrible sci-fi films maybe i would find some comedy in it yeah but i just don't find it any comedy in it and yeah. the stuff that i laugh at are all like the physical gags right none yeah. of the lines no it's just seems just an odd
2: sometimes homework is just homework yeah I, sometimes homework is just homework it's not always 100 enjoyable
1: it's not always 100 enjoyable but if i guess if anything dear listener that you can take from this podcast from this episode specifically, is maybe watching this movie gives you an idea of the feel of 1996 and what was going on, and not necessarily what was great and going on. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, this is not going to be our last movie that is not going to be great. Well,
2: obviously not. Of course not.
1: It just was kind of hard to find anything redeemable out of this
2: to want to watch it again right obviously this was a true ugh, i do not want to watch this again for no uh, no, i know i just and <laughs> i was trying to think of how, why did drew like the swimming as a kid now, you did admit that your biggest celebrity crush was Natalie Portman. Yes. And in 96, you would have been, what, 11? Uh, in 1996, I was 12. 12. And she's 14 or 15 in this movie. So maybe maybe that's what it is. You were blinded by your crush for Natalie Portman. Uh, that thought
1: definitely crossed my mind when I was reflecting on this movie as to why did I like this movie. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why. I think but it's, it's because be of my Natalie of Portman crush. Yeah. I think that's honestly why. It's got to it be. I think it is. Um, do you have anything more that you would like to say about this movie, Trav?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't want this to discourage Jake or anyone no. from emailing us No. a, a topic suggestion. No. So yeah, the movie was not good, but he acknowledges that. So yes. listeners know that we are not like to- totally just ruining this guy's self-esteem he's no, never exactly. gonna email us again but no. yeah it, it's not a good movie and no. he agrees and he said it used to scare him when he was a kid and he doesn't know how but we did mention a few scary aspects to the movie so definitely yeah and um, we never did thank jake right off the bat in this podcast yeah thank you still thank for you email. for emailing honestly it's kind of funny to think that we both used to think this movie was good i mean two weeks ago i did not expect to come out of this thinking how i'm thinking about this movie no
1: i expected to lampoon it have some fun with it yeah tim burton yeah it'll be funny it's still funny still love what he was trying to get at and stuff yeah no nope nope (laughs) nope Uh, all right i did buy this movie too so Uh, did i i bought it at toontown so shout out to toontown if you're still listening out there people uh I bought it at Toontown and I just want to really put a plug in for them because I appreciate local record stores 100%. Uh, small business so if you have something like a Toontown in your town and it's been a long time since you've been there please go check it out find your classic movies find your uh, your albums find your CDs find your cassettes find whatever you want at these stores because they're a great place to find these things instead of automatically going to yes it's a DVD and the picture looks bad like it just is not not what i want it to be yeah but it was seven dollars
2: right right and
1: it was great for my homework it was just great for my homework so go check out your local establishments that may sell these toontown things. toontown thank you toontown um with that all done should we head over to our homework assignment let's do it let's get to happier moments happier moments because we're going to probably have nothing but great things to say about this next one Happy, happy, joy, joy. Thank you. Uh, we are doing Ren and Stimpy Season 1, Episodes 1, 2, and 4. We already did Episode 3 um, in our Episode number 8, Double Nicktoons Weekend. So you can go back and check that out. Check it, it out. Time. Um, of course, Ren and Stimpy is created by John Chris Felucci, directed by John Chris Felucci, and voiced by John Chris Felucci. Um The theme music was composed by John Chris Felucci, Chris Riccardi, Jim Smith, and Scott Hummel. And uh, Ren and Stimpy was originally produced by Spumco for Nickelodeon, and it ran alongside Rugrats and Doug as an original Nicktoon. Nice. And of course, Ren and Stimpy stars Martin T. Ren Hoek and Stimpson Stimpy J-Cat. So we're doing episode one, two, and four. Uh, Episode one consists of Stimpy's Big Day and The Big Shot. Episode two consists of Robin Hoek and Nurse Stimpy. And then episode four contains three clips in this one. It's Big House Blues, which was like the original pilot for Ren and Stimpy. Uh, The Littlest Giant and Fire Dog. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just wait a second there, Drew. I want to clarify something for our listeners. Big House Blues by Ren and Stimpy is actually not included in the streaming on Paramount or anywhere else on the internet, except for a specific site that I found. A link for that episode is in our show notes of this episode, Mars Attacks. And then also, make sure you listen all the way to the end. There's a little bit of a funny mistake. If you find it, email us. OverdueHomeworkPodcast at gmail.com. Bye! Fire Dogs should be one that most everybody has seen. Yeah. Um, when I read these names, I can recall off the top of my head, Robin Hoick, I remember that one for sure. Stimpy's Big Day, I remember that one for sure. Fire Dogs, I remember that one for sure. And then yep. the Big House Blues, which is they use scenes from Big House Blues in the opening credits of Ren and Stimpy. Oh, okay. I'm excited to do this, and I uh, can't wait to watch some Ren and Stimpy. Oh, this is going to be fun. Um. So, with that done, Trav. Let's hear some emails, please. Let's get to
2: some emails. So, our first emailer has two for us. Friday Night Blockbuster has two questions. He wants to know if you could bring back any movie you have covered on the podcast to theaters, what would it be?
1: Easy one for me Batman 89.
2: Nice. That's nice. an
1: easy one for me. I'd love to go see that in the theater again.
2: I agree. Um, but. Not as much as picking that as my answer. My answer <laughs> is Top Gun. Because oh, yes. I would love to see that with the surround sound, and I just had such an awesome experience watching that. That'd be sweet. But I did put, since to me that was an obvious answer, I did put, it's a three-way tie then between Batman Returns Dumb and Dumber, and TMNT. Oh. uh, That was my favorite of the Batman movies. Batman Returns, that would be amazing. I'd kind of just like to see Dumb and Dumber, especially if we're imagining this is maybe the first time we've seen it again as it comes to theaters. And then TMNT, just for the nostalgia, obviously.
1: You know, if I'm going to give you my top three, it would be Batman 89, TMNT, and probably... uh, uh, Top Gun. Top Gun, Gun, because that movie is great and in, in, would be great in the theater. Good theater I never saw movie. that one in theater either, so that would yeah. be great in the theater, be a good theater movie.
2: And then our second question from the same person says, if you could bring back any movie to theaters from the 80s or 90s, what would it be? <sighs>
1: If I could bring back any movie from the 80s or 90s, which movie could it be to watch in the theater? I'm going to choose two. The first two that came to mind would be Terminator 2, T2. Nice. Great to see in the theater. And then I will choose... Uh, I was going to say The Running Man, but I don't think I'm going to choose that one. I think I'm going to choose... I can't think of the name of it on the... I can, Harrison Ford. His name is Decker. He's a... Man, I am embarrassed that I can't think of this name of this movie. I have it on my shelf, so I'm going to look for it. I'm going to look for it. Where are you? Where are you? It was the first movie that my parents went together to for a date. And I said to my mom after my dad told me that that's what it was, I was like, you went to that movie for a first date with my father? That seems like an odd choice. Oh, my God. Give me a second here. I got to Google it now. Okay. So I'm going to start that all the way over. So I'm going to go with the first two that came to mind. Number one would be T2 because that would be quite the experience to see in the theater. Agreed. And number two is I already forgot the name of it. (laughs) How is that even possible? How is that even possible? Thank you. I'm going to say it out loud. Blade Runner. Blade, Blade Runner, Runner. Blade Runner. So
2: Blade Runner and T2. What about you, Trav? So incidentally, all the ones I put down, I have seen in the theater. Uh, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see it in 93 when I came mm-hmm. out because I was four. But they brought it back in 3D. So I had seen that. Saving Private Ryan. That was a great experience in yeah. theaters. Blade. First Marvel movie I ever saw in theaters. Cool. And The Matrix just barely makes the cut with 1999. But I mean, that was awesome to see in theaters.
1: And that's literally one of my biggest regret movies, them not seeing in the theater. Uh, I remember seeing it at the local AMC up on campus, like that it was there to watch. Yeah. And that was the theater that I would always go to in high school because it was the newest at the time. Mm-hmm. And. I just never went to go see it. I remember having friends saying, "You gotta go see this movie. It's really, really awesome." Yeah. And I didn't see it until it was on VHS, and I wish I would have seen that one in the theater. So I'm also going to add that to my list. That's nice. a very good choice, nice. Trav.
2: Uh Thank you. Shout out to my uncle Paul because he always made sure I saw all those cool movies. My dad liked to go to movies, but I've mentioned before he's not a rewatcher. Gotcha. My uncle, if he went to something badass, he'd be like, "All right, now when I come to visit, we're gonna go see this." Cool. Again. Cool. So he had already seen. The Matrix Blade, those kind of things. And it's like, awesome. we need to go see this. Thank you, Paul. Uh, next email comes from, I miss my Teletubbies wants to know, was there a show you watched as a kid that you were embarrassed at the time to admit?
1: I was a little bit embarrassed to admit that I watched Pokemon before school because I was a sure. little
2: bit too old for You're it. You're a little older than me. Yeah, I was when just... When I came out, I was in first grade, kindergarten, first grade. So you right. were way old in in fourth grade or (laughs) whatever it was at the time but yeah that makes sense
1: you know really come to think about it i don't think i really kind of watched pokemon on tv until i was in maybe fifth or sixth grade i think i was going to franklin elementary at the time because i have a memory there asking a friend of mine like we sat at desks in pairs of two and i said do you ever watch pokemon before school and he was like that show is for babies. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll never talk about that again. I'm sorry. So, but I used to watch it before school. So I think I think that's my big one. Show is for amazed. babies. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's why I asked you. It is for babies.
2: That's funny. Oh, man, I love Pokemon. Yeah, man, so did I. Um, I put down Blue's Clues. Oh, I, yeah. I remember being embarrassed that I like Blue's Clues. So I had to look it up. I was like, how embarrassing should have this been to me? It came out in 96, and I was only seven years old. That shouldn't be embarrassing at all. How embarrassing is that, really?
1: It's not embarrassing. It's made for my age range. made for seven-year-olds. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) So shout out to Blue's Clues, because you didn't get the love you should have when I was a kid, apparently. There you go. There you go. Um, And then this final one is not an email from a listener. We didn't get enough emails, so make sure you email us at at overduehomeworkpodcast.gmail.com. But I put on my question to Drew is, after watching Mars Attacks, can you think of any other movies that you swear you loved growing up, but as you watch it as an adult, you were not impressed?
1: Hmm, movies I loved as a child, watch it now, not impressed. Let me think on that because I don't know. Like I or have maybe, so much maybe
2: you just you swear you thought you liked it, like Mars Attacks. You finally saw it on TV again. You're like, this is garbage. Um, I put down. Maybe this will shock you because I know you love Christmas. I put down the Santa Claus. Oh well, you know what? Now that
1: you actually say that, I can agree with that. Is it's not as good as everybody thinks. It's it is. really not. It's really not. I think that it's great. been.
2: Three or four Christmases since we watched it, but we had been putting it off for whatever reason in the Christmas road. we watched it, and both Lauren and I were like, "Wow, this movie's not that good." And I love Tim <laughs> Allen. I don't know; it's just not, not what I thought it was when I was a kid. I guess
1: no, I I can I can see that one totally. You know, the Rush Hour movies. I've, I saw one on HBO maybe four or five months ago. I think it was HBO. Maybe it was on Hulu or something like that. But I've, I was like, I'm going to watch this. And the first one, it just... I'm a big Jackie Chan fan, but yeah. it's just so, like, I don't know, it just really doesn't hold up very well. And I remember being like, man, this is just not that great. Why yeah. was this the darling of America for a while, you know?
2: I'd be uh, interested to see if I feel the same way, because I know I loved them as a kid. Yeah. I watched I, them on TV a bunch. And...
1: I don't I don't even think I made it through. I didn't have time to make it through the whole movie, but I did watch three quarters of it, and I remember being like, eh, besides the action with Jackie Chan, yeah. the movie's just not that great. Right, And it true. was an American phenomenon for a while.
2: Yeah, and they made a trilogy out of it, didn't they? They did. I yeah. never
1: saw the third one. I only saw the first two.
2: Yeah. Well, that wraps up emails. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you for the homework suggestion, Jake. Uh, please email us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook for updates and homework assignments at overduehomeworkpodcast. And as always, make sure you tune in to the next exciting episode of... The Overdue Homework Podcast.